0: Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this, the first episode of 2020 with the one and only Mark Sisson. Mark is one of the people I've been following the longest in the health and wellness space. He's, uh, an endurance athlete, uh, incredibly accomplished, uh, in the Ironman. He's also, uh, written Mark's Daily Apple for uh, over a decade. He writes daily tips on optimal wellness, author of Primal Blueprints, uh, the new Primal Blueprint Keto Reset Diet. He's uh, in his 60s and looks like he's in his 30s. He is probably one of the fittest, if not the fittest men I've uh, I've had uh, the pleasure to speak to, definitely the fittest elder I've had the pleasure to speak to. And he is uh, incredible, both in his athletic achievements, but also in his business achievements. He uh, also founded uh, the company Primal Kitchen. I use a lot of their products because it's uh, one of the healthier uh, ways to approach, for example, dressings and sauces, which often are laden with seed oils, which are, are, are very, very unhealthy. And we talked both about optimal wellness and ways that you, the listener, can uh, take yourself to peak performance and optimal wellness, but also I I pushed him a bit on learning a bit more about how he applied those same mindsets and principles to building an extremely successful business. Uh, Primal Kitchen was sold a few years after it launched, Uh, I won't say the exact figure, but uh, let's just say it was uh, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So really, really incredible entrepreneur, really incredible uh, advocate for personal wellness. And uh, he his mission is really to change the way people eat and how what we eat influences our life. Now, before we get into it, I want to start this year with uh, something new, which is Each week, I want to honor and read back what I'll call the review of the week. Um, Your five-star reviews are so greatly appreciated, and it also helps us to grow the podcast. Uh, In year one, we got over 200 five-star reviews. I'm super grateful to all you, the listeners. And I want to do more community engagement, both shout you out and also do more Q&As and really have this be as great a service to you as possible. Um, But for the moment, I want to acknowledge uh, the first five-star review from Lex McClay. She writes, wow, what a fantastic roster of guests on the pod so far, and so appreciated all the knowledge gained from Michael's deep dives into life hacks and personal experiences. This one's definitely in my top ten. Can't wait for what's next, and thanks, brother, for all the insights. Uh, Thanks Lex McClay, so grateful Uh, Can't wait to share more If you go ahead and leave a five star review You could be the review of the week next week Greatly appreciate you And as we are about to get into it I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors this week First I want to shout out one of my favorite companies Lifecycle Lifecycle is a premium mushroom tonic I use uh, all of their biohacker uh, tonics, but I'm particularly enamored with the Lion's Mane. Lion's Mane has massive cognitive benefits, and it's interesting. Dave Asprey just shouted out on on Tom Bilyow's show that he uses the Lion's Mane and five droppers of the Lion's Mane to hack his sleep, and he talks about going from sort of 30 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes of deep REM sleep. As you know, sleep is where our brain sort of takes out the trash and does massive repair. Many uh, wellness experts are saying that sleep is, if, if there's one thing that you were to focus on, the quality of your sleep is, is paramount. And for me, that is the case as well. I just did a, uh, an interview as well as a deep health assessment with Dr. G, which is upcoming. And on it, we did a deep dive into sleep. He's also, Dr. G, a big fan of Life Cycle. And I've been using this, I do about five droppers before bed, and I can say that it has dramatically improved my sleep. Uh, Lion's Mane is profound in terms of its health benefits. You can actually listen to an episode I did, a Mind Key, with Julian Mitchell, the founder, and we deep dive into the benefits and efficacy of each of the mushrooms. So I highly recommend you check that out. And you can find them on the web at life, L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L, lifecycle.com. And if you put in Peak Mind 20, you get 20% off your order at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a meat subscription company that distributes high-quality meat you can trust. 100% grass-fed and pasture-raised beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-bred pork, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to your door. Uh, As you'll hear in Mark Sisson's episode, we talk about collagen and the essential elements of collagen. For many who live in sort of the food deserts uh, throughout the country, I just spent uh, a week driving through a good portion of the American West, they don't have the same access to high quality meat. And so for those who are looking for ethically raised, high quality uh, meat source, I highly recommend uh, ButcherBox. I've been using their products and, um, and have sent some to my family, and we're all a, a fan. And for me, it's just super important that if you are going to eat meats, the best way to do it is to make sure that it is never uh, given antibiotics or hormones and that it is ethically raised. And ButcherBox does a great job of sussing out all the details. You can check it out at butcherbox.com. Put in PeakMind at checkout and you'll get a nice discount on your order. They're also running a really uh, big promotion at the moment, so you get both a discount on your order and a, a bunch of uh, free product through their keto bundle. Check them out, butcherbox.com, code PEAKMIND. And without further ado, it is my great pleasure to introduce the one and only Mark Sisson. I'm here with my man, Mark Sisson. Hey, Mark. Thanks hey. for being here. My pleasure. Uh, we had a, uh, a lovely dinner last night. I've known of your work for a great many years. Obviously, one of the, uh, I would say, definitive leaders in the space. And uh, as I've gone deeper into wanting to learn about nutrition, lifestyle, and you know, as I shared with you earlier, my journey with my dad around cognitive health, um, I've, I've gone deep on a lot of your information, and I'm so grateful that you would take a little time. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So I want to start with um, what I love is obviously you go super deep in your information around diet, nutrition, lifestyle. But the, the sort of tenant of live awesome to me is, mm-hmm. is what really kind of stands out because I feel like at least in the minds of many when you start thinking about nutrition or dieting and, restric- and all this restriction, you, you have this sort of tenet of, of still being in the moment and being in a, in a place of pleasure, and yeah. that really resonates with me. So can you sort of uh, share for the audience a bit about what your tenants are for living an awesome way? Sure. I think I'll give
1: a little bit of a backstory, which is I came from endurance sports, where uh, I was very focused on performance. Uh, I was a runner, marathon runner for a number of years, then I was a triathlete, and, and throughout all that time, um, I was... Uh, very good at what I did. I was very dedicated <clears throat> in the pursuit of it. Um, and I did it for uh, all in about 25 years. And And when I finally retired, I looked back on the career, and I thought, you know what, I never really had fun doing that. I was managing pain. I was, I was managing discomfort. I was sometimes in the zone. Um, I was, you know, um, once in a while euphoric because I had just won a race. But for the most part, the training was just about discomfort management, and the racing was even more so. Uh, and that was a point at which I realized, uh, you know, if I'm going to move, if I'm going to be, you know, living my life in in ways that I espouse, that, you know, to, to achieve greater health, one of the metrics ought to be that I find as many ways to have fun as possible. Love that. I only do this life thing because... I, I, you know, my. You see, what is your purpose? You know, what is your. Why are you here? Well, one of the reasons I'm here is to enjoy life and to have fun, and do. And that means, that means getting the greatest amount of enjoyment, fulfillment, contentment, whatever you want to call it, out of every possible moment. So when it comes to food, uh, I have this template that I've crafted, uh, called the primal blueprint, and it's a dietary strategy. But within it are lots of opportunities to, you know, go outside the margins and play around a little bit. And as long as you come back to. The central theme, which is to, you know, eat wholesome foods for the most part and reduce sugar and sweetened beverages and artificial sweeteners and, and all the other stuff. Then you, can, then you can play around the margins with, um, you know, food that we would call uh, sensible indulgences. So a little bit of wine, a <laughs> little bit of chocolate, a little bit of dairy, a little bit of, you know, and, and, and with, with regard to eating, this concept became like, I want to live an awesome life. I, wanna, I want every bite of food I put in my mouth to taste great. I don't want to have to choke down something just because it's good for me. Um, I want my movement patterns when I exercise to be fun. So I started, uh, I play Ultimate Frisbee with uh, 20-somethings once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, It's one of the best workouts I do. Um, I do stand-up paddling. And for me, uh, in the old days of running, you know, I'd go out for an hour and a half run, and it was like, in my mind, it's always going to be, when is it going to be over? When is it going to be over? And when I'm paddling, it's more like, oh, damn, it's going to be over soon. You know, it's like i got to get back for a meeting. Um, I snowboard. I do, uh, you know, e-foil uh, you know, surf, surfing. Um, I'm always looking for ways in which I can play and then incorporate that into my exercise pattern so that I get to call it exercise. And, and quite often throughout the throughout the week, my play becomes my best workout. So, I mean, mm-hmm. an ultimate, a, a really hard ultimate game takes me two days to recover from. And, it's, and, and the whole time I'm doing it, two hours of sprinting up and down the fields and, and you know, diving for catches. I don't do the... I don't do the actual <laughs> layouts, but, you know, jumping and changing direction, all that stuff. Um, it's really uh, taxing, and it's putting me through a number of different, uh, you know, it's, it's aerobic, it's anaerobic. Um, it is causing my joints to to be expressed in ways that they don't necessarily want to go. Yeah. But at the end of it, it's like, this is the best workout I could possibly do. And at no point during the game, again, am I thinking, oh, crap, it, you know, when is it going to be over? I, you know, I can't. I can't take this anymore. In fact I hate it when the young people go, Yeah, what are we playing to? Are we can we stop soon? <laughs> and i like, dude, I don't know about you, but I'm having so much fun. <laughs> so that's 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 what's behind this live awesome thing. It's it's trying to find, you know, the joy and the contentment and the pleasure and the fulfillment and yes, there's a bit of hedonism in there, but every you know, every possible time you can. And not not postponing it or not, you know, uh, Suggesting that uh, what I'm doing today is a preparation for a better life tomorrow, you know I want that good life right now.
0: I love that. And you talked a bit about this, and I know one of you—you you were sort of at the forefront of now what's become uh, way more prolific in regards to sort of primal living, keto, uh, the sort of paleo uh, movement. I love the fact that you're bringing. Uh, joy to it because I think for so many people, and, and I know you talk about, you know, they'll sort of push up the things up to their limits, and that notion of restriction is one of the biggest, you know, barriers to behavior change. Uh, for me, um, I, it was, you know, my dad's illness, and then also, frankly, getting bit by a tick and worrying about Lyme disease and all sort of going deep down, which right now, actually, I'm actually on antibiotics, which I like to avoid because uh, I know of the consequence it could have on my gut. but what I've been researching is like, okay, how do you keep inflammation down? How Mm -hmm. do I have been having that joint pain? And I know you talk about, you know, um, I think you said from like basically 14 to, uh, 47 having IBS as well as some arthritic symptoms. And I know that so many of the diseases and challenges we're facing these days are, are inflammation related. Right. Can you talk a little bit about sort of how you approach, uh, sort of diet and nutrition?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I have a, a background in uh, evolutionary biology I was very interested in evolution when it was first really c- kind of coming to the forefront of um, conventional training in college I mean it was a esoteric sort of subset of science in the 60s and, and uh, 50s and 60s and then the 70s it started to be um, accepted as like a legitimate part of understanding science mm. uh, you know we look at everything in biology through the lens of, of evolution so I really got into um, evolutionary biology and uh, was always looking for clues in our past as to, that would inform me as to how I might, uh, you know, better uh, perform as an athlete or uh, achieve greater health uh, and what it comes down to is, is gene expression and we know that now and, and it's really only in the last 10 years that this has kind of become a sort of a, a, a recognized um, model for health. Every scientific paper that's done now looks at whatever variable was injected into this study, looks at the outcome at the level of gene expression. So how are your genes expressing, what genes are turning on, what genes are turning off as a result of whatever we put together in this experiment. So I looked at that and I looked at, so you combine the clues of evolutionary biology with the the confirmation of modern genetic science and you get some amazing aha moments, you know, like uh, fat and cholesterol are not the proximate cause of heart disease, inflammation and oxidation are. Yes, cholesterol plays a role, but it's actually a beneficial role. You just have to understand where it is in the context of this whole of this whole thing. Um, you know, diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes, you're not doomed to get type 2 diabetes just because your parents had it. In many cases, developing type 2 diabetes is your perfect body's response to signals you've been giving it for 15 or 20 years by overfeeding it sugar, by under exercising or not exercising at all, uh, by taking in Um, inflammatory uh, industrial seed oils like canola corn oil soybean oil which which add not just inflammation but insulin resistance to the cells Uh, and all these things can be reversed by shifting the behavior around whether it's changing the diet or altering the form of exercise Uh, the amount of sun exposure you get very important Uh, the amount of sleep you get the amount of play you engage in how you use your brain all these things become a totality of a life way that I call the primal blueprint. So I go back, and again, I looked at what are the 10 basic primal laws that humans lived by for two and a half million years that literally forged the genes that we have today and which our genes expect us to engage in if we want to be strong, lean, fit, happy, healthy, productive. That's been the fun part of this this, um, journey of mine that's now gone on more than 30 years is discovering these hidden genetic switches that we all have, and then informing the public. And I think that's probably my, if I, if I had a superpower, it's being able to take that complex scientific information and distilling it into ways in which people can understand it and, and, and maybe choose to incorporate it in their lives. Yeah, you're, you're
0: of the best I've seen at being that bridge, if you will, or translator, because I think so much of the information becomes overwhelming, and I'm always, I mean, we, we exist in, in a bit of a bubble, but yeah. I, I go back home, you know, all I have to do is fly into these various airports, and you can kind of take a thermostat on health, and whenever I go back home to the Midwest, where they literally just expanded the size of the seat buses, the buses on the seats, because of ob- the obesity epidemic, and now having more obese people on the planet than non-obese people, which, right. is, uh, crazy. which is crazy. Uh, It's it's so I'm always thinking about how how does my uncle who lives in like suburban Chicago or like uh, you know a mom with three kids in Wichita Kansas you know take in some of this information and I love how you break it down in terms of sleep and play. What is the by the way? I I feel like in in listening to a lot of your content, you you sort of advocate. It occurred to me, and this is just because I lived in Sri Lanka for two years. It's almost like this. This probably, these are not your words these are mine but like a middle path right like which is to say I feel like you're not the hardcore restrictive guy like you've got all the information but you're not telling people not to have fun in fact, in fact you're telling people to have fun yeah. you're not telling people oh you can never touch the chocolate it's just more about like knowing your limits as I understand it mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that like how, how do you approach this notion of limit and and if you will
1: moderated indulgence yeah <coughs> So I, I feel like um, human nature is to see what we can get away with. So right. we, push, we push up against the edges all the time. And some people can get away with a lot more than others. And by the way, people get away, try to get away with things like, you know, how much, how little work can I do and still get paid? Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or, you know, how much can I flirt, you know, around and still keep my marriage? Or how much can I, you know, how, all of these different ways in which we... We play with the margins, and one of those that's very, very common is how much food can I eat right. uh, and not gain weight, or how, what's the most amount of cheesecake I can have, you know, and not feel guilty about having it. And and so we we see we try to see what we can get away with, and uh, you know that's that's just human nature, and and that's fine, and as long as we recognize that, uh, we can you know start to put some impose certain. Boundaries or template for you know our own activity. So some people who are who don't gain weight, you know, and they can eat pasta and they can eat bread and they can eat cereal and they can eat lots of sugar and don't gain weight. Well, you know, they can get away with that. The question becomes, you know, are there other things? Are there more insidious things happening inside them that don't manifest themselves just in weight gain, right. but maybe maybe causing issues. So. We, you know, we, we look at um, setting... I, I have 80-20 rule. So I, I just say, look, here's what I do. I strive for 100%. If at the end of the day I come in at 80%, then I'm ahead of the game. So I'm a... Uh, you know, I, I wrote a book called The Keto Reset Diet, and it was a New York Times bestseller, and a lot of people are going keto. People ask me all the time, you know, how do you do it? Are you keto all the time? That must be crazy. That must be difficult. I'm like, I'm not even keto all the time. Yeah. I use the ketogenic diet as... Uh, a uh, means as a tool of resetting my metabolism once in a while I'm establishing metabolic flexibility that metabolic flexibility allows me the leeway to get away with having three or four bites of cheesecake once in a while and not feeling guilty or bad or like I failed myself mm-hmm. or any of that so uh, the it's, it's up yeah, it's up to everyone to sort of kind of just dis- determine where they fall on this spectrum some people are like rigidly like if I don't adhere 100% to my plan, then I'm going to, you know, something bad's going to happen. I'm going to fall off the wagon. I'm going to, whatever. And other people are like, you know, I'm just going to do the best I can with what I have at this time. Okay. And and uh, because life's too short to then get sick from the stress of worrying about how I failed in my, <laughs> yeah. in my intention, you know, in my New Year's resolution or whatever. So it's, uh, that, that becomes an interesting part for me to, once I've sort of decided or di- discerned for myself what all of the biochemical uh, possibilities are and all the lifestyle choices, then it's okay, how much do I really want to incorporate that? What's ve- what, what is the value of me um, embracing that behavior versus the pleasure I might derive from not doing it and doing something else? I mean, that's, the, that's really the interesting thing about, about life is kind of deciding, you know, how do I enjoy my life today and, and yet not sacrifice my longevity or my health into the future? Yeah, I think that, that really hits
0: a note for me because I've been listening to a ton of people in, in the space that are talking about longevity. It's obviously kind of a, a buzzword at the moment. But it occurs to me that, um, as someone who's been in the field uh, and been a leader in the field longer than most, and if I may say so, an exemplification of how I would like to, to to age and just absolutely like a paragon of health. I mean, you're healthier than I am, I'm sure, at this particular point in time. But uh, but how do you how do you view? Um, and I and I love this notion. Like These sort of two separate but related parts. Um, you talk about metabolic health and. And metabolic flexibility, and one of the things that I've been delving deep in, into is how can I, you know, I just did a mitochondrial test. I'm really kind of looking at like how how are my cells kind of healthy, and I'm actually exploring. So I've never uh, full transparency, and probably many of in the audience haven't. Some will have have been ketogenic. But as, especially now, having just got bit by a tick, not waiting to see if, it, if I got yeah. Lyme or not, just basically like, okay, bang, I'm going to do the antibiotics because yeah. I don't even want to mess with it. I know how gnarly that is. Um, but, but basically, you know, on the holistic side, a lot of it's about reducing inflammation, and I'm about to jump into sort of this, this, this ketogenic diet. But, I, but I'm also into the, and I don't know if this is scientifically based, the idea of flexibility seems to occur to make sense to me. Um, and the, also the idea of like, I feel like there's there's a strength in diversity and diversity of ways of being. So uh, this is not based on science. Mm-hmm. Science It's based on my inclination. But it seems to me that actually being intermittent in your fasting or, or well, that, that's maybe an analogy, but being intermittent in your ketogenic lifestyle, not being in ketosis all the time, in mm-hmm. some ways would probably be better for your adaption. Is that, and that's based on just a thought, but... Is it good to sort of diversify so your body doesn't become used to sort of the monoculture of a certain way of
1: being in your experience for longevity? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a it's a uh, philosophical question as much as anything else because there are people I know have been keto for ten years and yeah. love it and it's very sustainable for them. Uh, I'm a person who uh, I just like certain kinds of food and I'm not willing to exactly. com- to completely ignore them forever or or even you know, uh, certain quantities of them in the short term. So I live in what I call the keto zone. So I use keto, as I say, to reset my metabolism to, to achieve metabolic flexibility. Metabolic flexibility basically describes the body's um, ability to extract energy from whatever substrate is available. You become efficient and, and, and flexible so that um, whatever you're doing, you're not reliant on just sugar, for instance. Sugar is kind of we, you know, we talk about the carbohydrate paradigm, which most of us have lived in most of our lives because there's access to such carbohydrate in this country. So we eat carbs, we burn glucose, the brain uses glucose, we store the extra as fat, we wonder why we can't burn off the fat, but the reason is because we're eating so much glucose, we raise insulin, insulin locks fat into the fat cells, and that's become this typical paradigm that does lead to a lot of metabolic issues, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, Uh, we can talk about Alzheimer's, we can talk about arthritis we can talk about a number of inflammatory diseases we can talk but pretty much most of these diseases of civilization that are 90% of the reason people are ill are, are a result of I think poor dietary choices mm-hmm. now if you establish metabolic flexibility now you can get energy from the, the fat on your plate of food mm-hmm. the fat on your hips or your thighs or your belly the carbohydrate on your plate of food the glucose in your bloodstream the glycogen in your muscles the ketones that your liver makes—it's this amazingly uh, wide array of substrates that you can access because you've you've built the metabolic machinery not only to burn it but to bring to take it out of storage and access it so you can readily access fat from your fat cells uh, and use that as fuel to get you through not just the next meal but through days of not eating if the case if that presented itself either by choice which a lot of people do or just you know because you, there's no food around. Um, this sort of uh, flexibility um, has a number of positive consequences, one of which is you start to burn off your stored body fat. Now you trend toward your ideal body composition, which makes you a little bit lighter, a little bit more you know strength to weight ratio improves. Uh, this access to fat all the time for your muscles means you have more energy. You feel like moving more and you feel less like sitting around like a couch potato. Uh, because your brain now becomes adept at using ketones and your brain actually prefers ketones over glucose, now you have access to this fuel in your brain that you can, you can access all day long and not have to consume carbohydrates because you have low blood sugar. You know, you have that two o'clock post-lunch, you know, nap time kind of feeling. Right. All these things um, become available and probably the most important one is your hunger, appetite and cravings go away. As a result of your having refined your metabolic flexibility. So now you're not, you're not, your life is not dictated by the next meal. Like, Michael, I'd love to do this podcast with you, but the time, yeah, it's, it's going to go through lunch. I can't not eat lunch. Right. Right. Or, um, you know, I overslept, I missed breakfast. I have to have breakfast, and then lunch is going to be in two hours. I have to have lunch. You know, all these things that people sort of assume they have to do, they have to have three meals a day. Now, to your point, I guess I'm, Kind of going, taking a broad... No, I love, I, I love, I love the, yeah. the overview. It's beautiful. Yeah, so to so your point, the human experience is one of fractal eating. It's one of never having access to a lot of food. And so we're wired to over-consume whatever food we come to. That's part of the hard wiring of our brain. That's why we tend to overeat. We overeat because we've got um, this mechanism that says, all right, eat as much as you can put in your pie hole and, and, and fill your belly... And then what we'll do is we'll convert the extra energy into fuel that you carry around with you on your hips <laughs> and your ass and your thighs, just above the center of gravity. It's like the original fanny pack, full of, full of, full of fuel. It's such a cool, elegant solution to a lack of food in, in the world. So that's how we evolved. We evolved with this amazing system designed to convert excess energy into fuel that we carry around with us. Uh, And now we're born with this amazing ability to take that fuel out of storage and combust it whenever we need without any adverse effect, like without feeling hangry or without being, you know, obnoxious or, 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 you know, uh, just giving up and wanting to take a nap. I mean, imagine our ancestors, you know, going three days without eating and going, oh, you know what, I give up, I'm going to die, you know. No, they just, (laughs) we have this system that's, you know, plenty of fat, on just about everybody to live for days and days and days without eating and then and then plenty of ketones manufactured from some of that fat to give the brain the the focus and concentration to go track down the next beast or go gather the next you know uh, root shoots and berries and nuts and things like that so that's how we're designed and and, and as a result we're designed to eat fractally like big meals sometimes small meals other times twice a day sometimes once a day sometimes not at all some days maybe three times other days. And, and that's, that's truly the human experience, and that's also the greatest manifestation of metabolic flexibility. Because if we can do all that, and through it all say, I have all my energy I need, I have all the strength and power I need, uh, I don't get sick, I don't get hungry, uh, and I don't feel different from one day to the next. You know, one of the things I hear about some of the, meta, the issues that, that people would, would comment about in some of these keto Facebook sites is, well, you know, I'm keto, I've been keto for two months, and if I have seventy five grams of carbs one day I get kicked out of keto and it takes and I feel like crap for five days. Dude, that's not metabolic flexibility. You know, you're still <laughs> broken metabolically. So now we have to talk about what do you do to, to, to fix that. Right. Part of its diet, part of it's your exercise routine. You know, we wanna get you in the gym doing high intensity stuff once in a while. Not every day, but once in a while. We wanna get you out walking long distances so you just burn fat when you're doing that Uh, we want you know we want you to do uh, what we call archetypal rest postures where you're uh, not just sitting in a chair but you're kneeling on the ground either side sitting or side kneeling or high kneeling or low kneeling or cross legged or whatever in positions that actually stretch your fascia and your connective tissue because they're they're actually integrally involved in your glucose regulation this is a new I just uh, co-authored a paper with a guy uh, Matt Walden, a friend of mine, two papers actually on these archetypal rest postures and their and their um, their importance now in uh, not just uh, maintaining flexibility and range of motion, but in glucose tolerance. Fascinating. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by that
0: that diversification, especially as you mentioned, sort of for lack of a better term, exercise and postures, right? Like. I know that my understanding is you have a stand-up desk, treadmill for yourself, your staff, et cetera, which I've started to look into because I realize now as I'm writing a book, it's like, man, I'm sitting way more than I'm comfortable sitting. And I'll go off and do yoga and all these things. I actually started doing more yoga because I, I tore, I was doing uh, HIIT training and I tore uh, a muscle in my shoulder. But I, what I've realized is that I don't feel as fit as I was feeling. And again, to this point of sort of diversity, I love that you have sort of a protocol around diversification of exercise. Is there, I believe also you have a 21-day sort of program to prepare people for ketosis yes. as well. Yeah. Because it's something it seems like a lot of people will just jump into again and then like they feel like they're failing, right? Or they're like, yeah. oh, I had yeah. the 75 grams of carbs. So yeah. can you talk about like how do you prepare? As you, Is there, if you will, a mindset to approaching a, this lifestyle change to prepare you for optimal success as opposed to just saying, right, I'm cutting everything out. And then like a New Year's resolution, you're, five days later you're done.
1: We have to cut some stuff out. But yeah. I mean, but the, yeah, what but, do you, Definitely, what do you have to cut out? Yeah, so so what we did uh, in the Keto Reset Diet book was we said, look, there's a lot of people are going to go keto. Mm. And a lot of people are going to have a tough time with it. They're, it's going to be miserable for them because they go, you know, that, that, that old uh, Atkins, you know, total indoctrination where you drop to 20 grams a day of carbs. And that's just too much for a lot of people. Um, and, it, and it becomes, you know, some people power through it. Mm. Um, everyone is going to survive it, but some people are just going to give up and just say it's just too uncomfortable. So what we decided was we would stair-step you into getting ready to go keto so it's kinder, gentler version. So the 21-day total body transformation or 21-day par- part of the uh, keto reset was to first eliminate the things we know you need to get rid of, the pies, the cakes, the candies, the pastas, the breads, the cereals, all the things that are processed carbohydrates that you don't need that aren't real food. Get rid of the industrial seed oils—the corn oil, the soybean oil, the canola oil, things like that—and um, in their place, you know, avocado, avocado oil, uh, extra virgin olive oil—you um, know, healthy fats uh, from fish, from animal products, certainly clean sources of protein, uh, and then in um, vegetables, some fruit. Uh, and if you, if you, if you are able to get to that point where you're eliminating all the, the this truly nasty, offending ingredients and just have a broad array of, of um, real food, which even includes, at this point, some potatoes, some sweet potatoes, some legumes or something like that. Um, and in three weeks, you'll start to feel better. You'll start to, you know, the inflammation that you may have been experiencing will go away. Certainly by getting rid of grains, a lot of people will have, uh, you know, uh, digestive issues that will clear up. And after three weeks, now, in, in, and also we have, a, there's some other lifestyle things you have to throw, you have to get your sleep dialed in. You can't just like get your diet fixed and then stay up till two o'clock in the morning, you know, uh, raging, and then, you know, get up in the morning for work to an alarm clock. There's a few other components to this. But if you do all this, uh, then at the end of three, sometimes four weeks, we, we actually, in the book, we have a midterm exam, and you pass the exam, you know, can I, can I wake up in the morning and go till 10 or 11 o'clock without needing to eat, hmm. you know? Uh, can I do a workout fast and then not have to eat after the end of a workout? These are all indications that you're beginning to, to, to get better at burning fat, that you're actually deriving energy from fat. You don't need another carbohydrate meal to get you through the day or to the next meal. So that's that kind of uh, slower, easier, gentler indoctrination to the point at which then you just – now I'm at the point where, okay, I, got to, I just have to identify 60 other grams of carbs mm-hmm. – Maybe it's in the sweet potato or the potatoes or the lentils or whatever it does. I was consuming. Consuming, maybe it was in some fruit. Then now I cut out, so I'm below 50 grams of carbs a day. Now I'm going keto, and it's not just a pleasant, pleasurable experience. It's you know you notice the energy boost, and you notice uh, further weight loss, and you like your mood improves, and it's kind of it's transformational for a lot of people. I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this I, I now feel like, I actually feel set up for it. Because yeah. I mean, I've done other things. I've done fasts. I've done, I, I practice pr- intermittent fasting pretty regularly. And I've, I've definitely downed uh, a great number of my carbohydrates. My dad, actually, what I found out in, in his in this sort of journey to dementia was he obviously, as we know, which is a whole other subject, but was given this sort of a lot of the information is totally antithetical to health in terms of like the traditional food pyramid and, and, uh, you know, he drank Diet Coke with the, the aspartame and all that crap yeah. and Tums every, you know, and you know, he grew up in the Midwest, that's what he was told to do. So, but, but obviously I've realized that those things are, are definitely antithetical to health. So, um, in the context of having a, a roadmap to help prepare me from jumping in, I, I love that you've, you've sort of spelled that out. What do you what do you see as as myths that are still prevailing? Like you mentioned, for example, like you know, can you do a workout without you know without without you know? Everyone's like, oh, well, you got to you know. I go to the gym. Everyone's got their protein smoothie or this and that. Your yeah, pre workout <laughs> drink and their yeah. post workout exactly work. exactly. Yeah. exactly. What are the what are the myths that you've seen? Uh, I mean, you've been in the game. You're 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 one of the foremost authorities that you, that people still buy into that you that. I don't want to say drive you crazy, but like that you can share that are definitively myths
1: that aren't necessarily true. Well, um, you know, probably the number one myth is that exercise is a good way to lose weight. It's a horrible way to lose weight. You have to exercise, um, but you do it more for metabolic flexibility. You do it more for um, range of motion and, and mobility and longevity and to look good naked for sure. But that's not a good way to lose weight. In fact, people who try to lose exor- use exercise as a weight loss tool uh, almost invariably fail. The best example would be all the people lined up for the LA Marathon who weigh you know, 25 or 40 pounds overweight and they've been training for a year for the marathon. They're running 40 miles a week. How come they're not, that's clearly not working for them. Um, and you know, another, another I think, basic myth is that we need we need carbohydrate to live and we certainly need carbohydrate to, to perform well in the gym. And they're, uh, Therein lies the problem with the mantra that the fitness community had for decades, which is six meals a day, six small meals. Don't go more than two and a half or three hours without eating or you'll cannibalize your muscle tissue. Um, that's, That's patently wrong and has been very detrimental to a lot of people. Now, some people were able to perform well on that, but you're sort of keeping up with the exercise routine to just... To, and you're diligent about it and you're sacrificing. you know you're, that's that was also the days of uh, white rice and chicken breast with no skin and uh, you know multiple meals throughout the day because you wanted to have a little bit of protein at every meal a little bit of carbohydrate at every meal and again the assumption was that if you didn't do that and you were working out hard that you, you your blood glucose would run low and then your brain would scream and send A signal to the adrenals to create cortisol which would strip down the muscle tissues that you just built send it to the liver to become glucose some of these amino acids can be converted into glucose and then make the brain happy but it was uh, and by the way that's that is how that worked which is why all those things all those mantras were probably the only way to do it back when we we didn't understand how great we are at burning fat how easy it is to become a fat-burning beast uh, how wonderful ketones are as an alternative fuel to carbohydrate so with this new technology uh, it's just it's so much easier to achieve ideal body composition to um, achieve a stronger leaner body so you can actually put muscle on you don't have to carbo load to to do long distance you don't have to carbo load to do uh, glycolytic workouts you just don't do them every day and that was the other part of the the old paradigm was, you know, if I want to be good at something I have to really go hard every day. And and, and you know, I think CrossFit's a good example of people who sometimes get into it all all in and now they hurt their shoulder or they're doing some some something way too much and they're not recovering and they feel worse off than when they started. Yeah. You know, and it's not that happened to me. It's not about the workout, it's just about how you have the sequence of them and how, how you do them. So so frequently that you don't you don't give yourself time to recover. Exercise and especially intense exercise only works if you give the body time to recover and repair. Yeah. Because the the actual definition of hard intense exercise you're tearing stuff down. You know you 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 you've got micro tears going on in the muscle and you gotta give the time to recover and the raw materials by the way and the and the you know the nutrients to recover. And I don't know about you but that's why I exercise. I don't exercise just to go in there and 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 uh, you know, struggle and suffer every day because I, so I can say I did that. Right. I'm looking to improve. I'm looking to, you know, to, at my age, I can't do any more PRs, but I to maintain, you know, my my range of motion, my strength, my power, my all the things that. And for me, I you know, I, I'm mostly in the gym to just prevent injuries from when from when I'm playing.
0: You talked about yeah. collagen last night. We were talking about some of the bigger injuries in the NBA that have occurred yeah. recently, and I, I've also in doing my research. Talk a little bit about collagen because, um, it's, you know, I was talking to my friend Kyle Kingsbury and he was talking about uh, with his wife, actually, she was doing bone broth Mm -hmm. every day. And actually this was an aesthetic thing, but he's like no stretch marks. I I know you talk about Frisbee and like your Achilles and like how you, it would throw you off if you, if you noticed you weren't taking collagen. Um, you can talk a little bit about collagen and also like, uh, you know, I know you get asked a, a fair amount about the gut, but one of the things I have... So I've just done a whole barrage of testing. So cognitive, heart mm-hmm. health, everything. And one of the things I did realize is I do need to have a, a gluten uh, sensitivity yeah. uh, on the spectrum, not celiac, um, but also some leaky gut. Mm-hmm. So... Um, i'd love to hear your thoughts around as i understand it many people have uh, some aspect of leaky gut which can also turn into leaky brain and that's where my concern is given mm-hmm. given what i've what i've witnessed um how how can one um both heal the gut and also kind of keeping that optimal
1: performance for for sports uh so there's a couple questions there but basically yeah but they're related yes so exactly you asked about collagen um i think collagen is the fourth macronutrient i mm. think you got, you know, fat, protein, carbohydrate are the three basic macronutrients that we talk about. Keto is actually maybe the fourth one, so the fifth one would be collagen. But collagen uh, is unique enough in its um, amino acid uh, peptide series sequence uh, that you don't see a lot of it in the regular diet. Uh, now, for two and a half million years, up until the 1900s, you know, we ate nose to tail. We ate, we ate all the animal. And so we got... The collagen-forming parts of the animal. We got those 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 peptides from uh, either the you know the knuckles uh, chewing on the skin, uh, the feet, um, boiling down the the nether parts of the beast and making a broth, um, collecting all this nice collagenous, gelatinous material, and then consuming it. And and even into the 1900s and early 1930s and 40s, uh, then we started eating. The choicer cuts of meat, right? And so you go to the butcher shop, and you wouldn't get the whole animal anymore. You'd get t-bone, or you'd get a ribeye, or you'd get New York strip, or porterhouse, or whatever cut it was. And it was devoid of any of these other gelatinous collagen-type uh, providing amino acids. Now it was great for building muscle because you eat muscle meat to build muscle. Um, but you, but we started we we didn't get any of the collagen raw materials from that. However, we did have jello. And nox gelatin and so even after the 30s and 40s we had this period of time up until probably the 90s when at least we were getting some amount of collagen peptides in our diet even if it was a candy flavored dessert you know in the form of jello or if it was Knox gelatin or whatever then when the whole sugar thing and that you know people stopped eating products like that in the 90s um, we, we see this window of the mid 90s to now where we're, we're Maybe maybe five years ago when we started introducing bone broth, where there was no access to collagen raw materials in the body, and, and I saw that in myself, and I saw it in athletes, where uh, tendons and ligaments are all they're all made of these collagen peptides. Uh, glycine's huge, uh, uh, proline, hydroxyproline. These are there's there's some amino acids that you find in prevalence in the hides of animals, and again in the cartilage and the tendons. Uh, that you don't find in the choice cuts of meat, but those are all in human ligaments, tendons, fascia, connective tissue, uh, cartilage, skin, hair, nails. In fact, collagen pro- as a protein is more prevalent than muscle protein in most people in the healing really? body, yes. Um, the lining of the gut has a lot of collagen in it. So when you remove this raw material from the diet, the body goes, hey, well, uh, you know, like... What am I going to do? Well, I know, in my case, um, I said it, my body just said, you know, you're wearing, you, you're, you're stressing your Achilles sprinting and you're too old for that shit. You should not be sprinting, you're in your 50s, right? Um, and you're not giving the raw material, so we just create some scar tissue. So we just build up, we'll mm-hmm. build up the Achilles, and so I had Achilles tendinosis, a thickening of the Achilles. It's the body's, you know, uh, response to the inputs. Or the lack of inputs in the case of not having any collagen to say, okay, we don't have the collagen. So plan B: thicken those uh, Achilles. Um, we'll weaken them, but we'll, there'll be a little scar tissue there. They'll be more brittle. They won't be as pliable. So don't jump off a two-foot landing, or don't do a box jump, because you'll snap your tendons. Um, and that was that was my case, and I see that a lot with athletes now. You know, recently in basketball, you saw two major issues in one in one series. You saw. Uh, you know KD goes down with his Achilles because because his, yeah. his calf had been compromised and I suspect you know if he'd been doing enough collagen replacement and stuff like that and they'd paid attention to the calf you know that didn't have to happen both those injuries in the, in the one with uh, Clay Thompson same thing hamstring issue the hamstring is a is a major controller of what's going on in the knee if you take the hamstring out of that equation and put all the force on the MCL or the ACL or any of those knee ligaments it's problems are bound to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, this collagen has been the missing ingredient in a lot of people's lives for lots of reasons for the past several decades. With the advent of and the re-emergence of bone broth starting about five years ago, there was now an opportunity to at least find a way to consume collagen. And then I, because I basically repaired my damaged Achilles with collagen supplementation, um, I'm very certain of that uh, I started making it I said well i got to create a product that, that, that's got a good delivery system so that I can, it tastes great you want to drink it you know, compliance is a big issue with some of these supplements uh, and so we made uh, Primal Kitchen collagen fuel we have a vanilla that you can use as a coffee cream or a chocolate you can, put in co- you can mix it with water or put it in coffee then we have a, a, a turmeric version of it a golden turmeric uh, that tastes great with hot water almost like a chai tea and uh, I, I just th- feel like we, we haven't even begun to see the resurgence of collagen in the diet because it's that critical. And, and as it relates, and by the way, um, we didn't even talk about this before,
0: but I've got about ten bottles of Primal Kitchen, and it's been a real it's been a real um, asset to my life, and I'm super grateful because that, like last night we're out at dinner, instead of having uh, ketchup, I did have a few fries, but I was yeah. like you know and I don't put at least could be sugar free ketchup. I mean it's been. And it, all my salad dressings, I actually, one of the biggest, so collagen was one of the mm-hmm. biggest insights for me this year. The other, which I, which you spoke of earlier, frankly, but the industrial seed oils. And just, I didn't quite realize how, uh, how prolific they were. Like, now as I look on almost any packaged good, processed food, it's like, I mean, I'm getting ready for this cleanse. And I was like, man... Everything has has these industrial seed oils in them. I mean, it's like, and it's and the inflammatory response. I feel like, and going out to eat, it's a big
1: problem, right? It's It's a huge problem. So you go to the best restaurant in town and have the nicest bowl of organic greens, and then (laughs) find out they use a combination of soybean oil, you know, and corn oil with a tiny bit of uh, of uh, extra virgin olive oil to make their dressing. Yeah. And literally ruins the entire health effect of this salad that you bought ostensibly because you want to be healthy. Right.
0: Yeah, I, that, and that's been my experience. Our, our friend Max Luther talks about that a fair amount. Like he'll you know, go to sweet greens, but he'll have no salad dressing. So he's yeah. literally bringing dressings with him. I'm them, that guy too. I mean, I, yeah. you know,
1: that's why I made my dressings. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I was going to create a bandolier, uh, a stick there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a serape and a, and a low, you know, the a Clint Eastwood kind of thing. walk into a place without stogie hanging hand and order a salad. I think you
0: should do that. Yeah. I actually, I've seen that. Yeah. I saw a guy who actually. This is very. Burning Man, but I saw a guy with like crystals in a bandolier. But yeah. I was like, I'd, I'd, I'd go in with dressing. That'd, yeah. uh, that'd be that'd yeah. be pretty epic. Yeah. Um, but but to the gut, to the point of the gut. Um, aside from collagen, is there anything else that you would recommend? Because I know a lot of people. You you yourself had yeah. this IBS uh, issue. You said for a long time, and I know it affect your life uh, in a in a profound way. I've encountered more and more people with gut health issues. I don't have any acute symptoms, but uh, but I know that like you know, and I, we don't have to go deep into the microbiome, I know you've talked about that plenty, but I know um, obviously it's an area where it's sort of like frontline for a lot of our immunity, uh, inflammatory markers, all these different things. Are, is there a particular
1: protocol that you would recommend for rebuilding your gut? So um, interestingly, uh, when I have, I've talked a lot about that period of, from when I was 14 to when I was 47. When I had IBS, it ran my life, and when I got rid of grains, mm-hmm. um, you know, gluten for the most part, but but almost all grains, because some were um, some forms of this tightly folded protein that exists, zine and corn and others are are gluten analogs and other gr- grains. You get rid of the whole thing for a while, and it was it changed my life, and it mm-hmm. was uh, you know I thought I was going to have to live with this for the rest of my life, and the next thing you know, within a month, it completely cleared up. Well, it didn't completely clear up. It cleared up like 90. Five percent, and so what I'm going to say is that collagen was the last five percent. Mm. So I literally, even though I'd had a leaky gut and I'd had these uh, these issues my whole life, and the 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 symptoms went away when I removed the offending ingredient. It wasn't until I introduced a rebuilding ingredient, a repair ingredient in the form of collagen, because the gut is so much of the gut is is collagen, that that last five percent fell into place. Mm. So that for me was a was a critical part of, of my gut health experience was was the re addition or the addition backing in of uh, of collagen. Uh, in terms of gut microbiome, we are just scratching the surface on yeah. that. It's almost uh, to the point where a lot of people have maybe too much of what they think is information and are making decisions that maybe they ought to wait a year or two before they they start uh, acting on. It. And by that I mean like. You know, there's a lot of like I, the concept of a fecal transplant, is like, <laughs> like a, a shit milkshake, uh, is, is is bizarre. It makes sense in some contexts, but there's 3,000 strains of bacteria that reside in and Different, you know, they have different amounts, and, and, and even at different times of day, and different times of year, and different, um, you know, when you're sick or not sick. And to think that you can somehow pull those levers and, and get it just right by doing a test and then getting some results back and making an adjustment by taking probiotics or something else. Uh, I think it's early days for that. It's way early days for that. Yep. But I think the recognition that there are 60 to 100 trillion individual organisms living in us that are not us is a pretty wild uh, recognition you know, out of the gates. I mean, I, if you can take the human, the anthropomorphic um, override out of it, you could say that, uh, that bacteria develop humans. as a life support system it's fascinating, I'm just
0: going to mention this briefly because it's tangential but last we saw each other was actually at Paleo and one of the most fascinating I I generally go more to connect with the people than the content because I've seen much of the content but I did wind up popping into uh, uh, Zach Bush's talk on the soil and the microbiome and he talks about sort of primal soil if you will right? and obviously there is a profound connection between the inner world and the outer world it's something I talk about but but in the context of the gut, you know the fact that we're depleting our soils from all these like this diverse biological material, bacteria, etc., is profoundly consequential. Obviously, and then that we're seeing with you know glyphosate and all these different things that are wreaking havoc, not just in terms of gluten sensitivity, but you probably you definitely may have a gluten sensitivity, you definitely have a gly- glyphosate sensitivity. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, but it's it's it, 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 I'm I'm fascinated by it, and it still blows my mind. And yeah. I'm, I'm I'm like everyone else, just trying to figure it out. Um, but um, in the interest of time, because uh, I know that you have a, a variety of things to do, we'll save that for another time. But what what are some of the kind of, if you will, like if, if I were an ev- an everyday sort of, uh, you know, sort of person who was just trying to get a handle on their health? I mean, you've talked about sleep, you've talked about play, uh, obviously nutrition. Is there one or two things that you recommend for the average person that is, if you will, the minimum effective dose? As yeah. I know you talk about that in the context of exercise, um, and that eighty twenty principle. That 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 is the one or two things that the person could start with that would have the most consequential impact on their health.
1: Well, you know, some people um, who are starting at, at really starting at zero, I'd say, um, find every possible way to eliminate sugar from your diet. Mm-hmm. So if if that became your sole goal, was to just say. I don't even care how much food I eat. I can eat as much of anything else that I want, but I'm going to not eat sugar of any kind, uh, you know, for 30 days or 40 days. Um, and then I, I think, because uh, that's kind of a, a major first step, and a lot of us in this in this field, uh, Ron Rosedale, um, Michael Eves, uh, you know, wrote Pro- Protein Power 30 years ago, so 4 million copies. It was basically one of the first, you know, keto books after Atkins. Mm. Uh you know, we would all say that the less sugar you eat in a lifetime, the longer you'll live, the healthier you'll be. Mm. So so sugar is really, um, it's as bad as people are making it out to be and possibly worse, um, except the industrial seed oil thing is really insidious as well. Mm. So if you could cut out the, in, if you could find ways in which you do not consume soybean, corn oil, or a canola, uh, those would be two of the dietary things. And then the other, the, the other like, I'm going to have to give you, Four. Give me four. So those yeah, are the please. two dietary. Then uh, sleep is always overlooked. And uh, if you're if you're a person who brags about you know getting by on five hours of sleep, God bless you, but it's going to catch. It's going to bite you in the ass one day. So I I like to brag about how much sleep I got. Yeah. You know. And so if, like I'm eight you. eight and a half is a good number. is even better for me. And I, I make no bones about it. I re I, I I view it as restorative. I get a lot of good. Thinking done and dreaming done in the in the wakey wakey you know things in between, um, and then walk. Mm-hmm. If people just got out and walked, uh, life as a longevity really, you can be uh, you know you can be certainly testify to this. Longevity really requires two basic essential elements: access to cognition mm-hmm. and mobility. Mm-hmm. So you know if you're sitting in a wheelchair. And you don't have access to your cognition, your quality of life is is essentially non-existent. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could be 85 or 90 years old and have outlived all your friends, but if you're not, if you're not mobile, if you can't get places and do things and visit people and and uh, and have access to memories, then life isn't. You know, you you just can't talk about. Well, he's, but uh, you know, I've heard the story so much. He's, he's, you know, he's robust, but he just, you know, he has dementia. Well. That's not a good quality of life, mm-hmm. you know. So, so whatever we can do to hold on to those two things, mobility and and access to cognition, um, are the major drivers of of uh, you know quality of life as we get older. And to that effect, reducing inflammation by watching what you eat, um, and increasing mobility by walking, uh, and getting enough rest and recovery in between. Those are the those are the easy ones, and yet they're the ones that that in total probably to, uh, generate eighty percent of the benefits you're going to get. hmm I like that. You, I like that you talk about that
0: that eighty percent because uh, I noticed in, in doing some research, you know, you talked about. and obviously, you were a world class competitor, which we haven't even talked about, but I mean, you were top of the field, and yet at some point, which we, which I'm also fascinated by. I mean, you're obviously like you know world class performer athlete you're also a world class entrepreneur Um, I imagine some of the qualities that have been part of your routine uh, and mindset have translated and I'd love to sort of touch on that but to finish off my point it, it, it seems to me that you came to a point where you're like, I don't need to necessarily win the race anymore for my quality of life. I don't know what that mindset shift was. I can still do, I'll still be in the top 80, but like, you know, because you were saying, actually, I was reading yesterday, and this is a bit tangential but related, you know, it uh, was an article about Oprah deciding not to have kids. Mm-hmm. And as amazing as Oprah is, you know, she basically said, I would have not been the best mother because something would have had to give and it would have likely been my attention to my children based Mm -hmm. on what she Mm -hmm. felt her mission in life was it occurs to me as somewhat analogous because at some point you know it's like if you're singularly focused on one thing maybe you derive joy from that i I don't want to make a a judgment one way or the other but you can still be a world-class performer an athlete um but if you want to have other elements of your life in balance, if you will, balance is maybe the wrong word, but 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 flourishing, yeah, something's got to give. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because you, you you I think it's another element, frankly, of if you will, the whiness, mm-hmm. and and to me, you exemplify uh, someone I look up to in regards to you you've you've, you've made appropriate transitions, right? You're still. An incredible athlete, I'm sure, but you're also focusing your attention elsewhere, right? I and mean, you've now oh, yeah. built in, and now just sold this company, but you're still you know, hard and sold into it. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that, sort of the 80-20 principle as it relates to quality of life? No, that's really... I hadn't... No one's ever posed the question that way, and I hadn't given it a lot of thought, um, but I will now, and that is um, you know, I, I was always an athlete in the endurance field. You are judged by Time you run and the place you finish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can be on a team of athletes and not have a very good game, your team could still win, you could have the best game ever, and your team still loses. But when you're in an individual sports you, it's all you. You're out there, you're the one who's determining the outcome. Uh, and there was a point at which that focus and dedication got me up every single day, uh, and I can't even I can't tap into that source anymore it, it when it went away it went away forever mm. i've lost my mojo as austin powers would say mm. uh, for that but that was a good thing because what it did was it took me away from uh this notion that i had to be the best at everything that i did and i you know to, to when you're an endurance athlete and you're an elite athlete you want to win the race you don't want to finish top 10 percent or whatever you want to win the damn race uh, when I when I let go of that, partly because I had to, I was injured and I couldn't train at that level anymore. Uh, I started to look at ways in which I could leverage my life. I'd done it in college. I was pre med in college, and there was a point at which I said, uh, you know, I just did a, a, a cost benefit analysis. And I said, okay, I could study eight hours a night and get all A's, or I could study uh, an hour and a half a night and get B pluses, and so that won't get me into med school. But that'll get me the education I want, and it'll give me a life, mm. and I won't be pissed off about the time I spent studying in school. And so there's a bit of a, a lazy, laziness to that, but I like to look at more in terms of leverage. I was leveraging mm. my resources um, so that I could live my life in total, Not because I had, I had friends who were pre-med, and that's all they did. That's all They, they, they yeah. studied, they were miserable, they hated it. By the way, a lot of them became doctors and hate that now. Mm. So I'm like, thank my lucky stars that I chose what I chose. In business, much the same thing happens. Um, you know, I started writing March Daily Apple*, and I wrote every article for a few years, and then it just got too much. And, and so that's a daily, that's a daily, a daily blog. thing. So <laughs> then I started, so then I hired researchers, and I had people doing research for me. Then I had writers, and I had people writing some of the articles for me. Uh, and that was my uh, ability to leverage my my you know thought leadership in a way that that uh, generated the greatest good for all. Mm. In business, the uh, I was always of the mindset that I'm the smartest guy in the room, mm-hmm. and that cost me in business for a long time. It didn't cost me. I, I was always successful, but I worked my freaking ass off. Yeah. And it was so weirdly, prophetically perfect when I let go of that, and I started hiring people in areas that I knew they knew more than I did, and let them just run with it. That my businesses started to really take off and become successful. And and again, it was letting go of that attachment to being right or being the smartest guy in the room and just coming back and going, what do I do? What's my real job? My job is to leverage talent. I basically manage talent and assets, money. Yeah. right? And, how I, and, and I'm good at that. And it doesn't require me doing an all-nighter to yeah. do it. Uh, all it requires is my taking a, year, uh, a lifetime worth of life experience and managing people in a way that I know I'm good at. So I, I sort of found my sweet spot there, and it turned out it was a lot less difficult, and it was more fun than I ever had in any of the other businesses where I was doing well, but grinding it out, you know, and burning the candle at both ends and all this other crap. <laughs> I can't tell you how much
0: that resonates with me. Um, was there was there a, a, an epiphany, if you will, and maybe there wasn't, so I don't want to force the, the issue, but. Where you, because I, I, i definitely built uh, and managed teams. Um, I've also kind of like contracted and expanded in terms of like the size of those teams, if you will. Um, and sort of, I came to the personal realization that I likely wouldn't want to start another company that is a hundred employee, you know, plus company because. Uh, well, I, the parts of that I feel I'm most successful at and leverage I can have isn't necessarily in that realm yeah. I, re- I still think you can have global impact and create incredible companies and have a, a call it a medium sized team where you still sort of know everyone's name you know their kids names what have yeah. you um, and still and, and focus on what you do best but I think there is for many entrepreneurs you know this sort of tendency like you said right of like of, a, of a, a real resistance to surrendering control, mm-hmm. what was the catalyst that enabled you to say, right, I've been successful uh, and now having created this last company, which is, I, I imagine, uh, why well, it's been exponentially successful, what What was this shift in mindset that enabled you to, was Was it a the singular event or what enabled you to say, right, I'm going to let go?
1: Part of it's, it, it started a long time ago. I think the first, the first time it really um, became important in my life to... Um, to manage my time and leverage whatever I could of my uh, my own talents, was as my kids were growing up, I made a, a focused commitment to spend time with them. Mm. So I was not a guy, you know, who went to work in the morning and came home late at night and never saw the kids and, the, you know, and my wife just, you know, took care of them and that was that. Um, I went to soccer practices. I went to, I went to every game. I, I, I used to brag, I was a veteran of 200 endurance contests in my life, mile, two-mile, 5K, 10K marathon – my parents came to two of my events out of two hundred events. Um, by the time my kids were f- thirteen or fourteen, I'd been to two hundred of their events. By the way, I felt like crap because I missed the two that I did that I did miss. But you know, I coached little league, I refereed soccer, I did a lot of the stuff. Um, you know, played. Uh, I took my kids boogie boarding. That's to this day, and they're in their late twenties. They will tell you that some of their best memories of are boogie boarding. You know, in the waves in Malibu when they're six and seven years old and. And no one else is daring to go out in the water, and we're out there on our boogie boards. Um, so it was all—I, uh, I, it was—that was—that comes back to the live awesome part. Like, like live your life. Like, yes. don't sacrifice time with your family because you're building a business so you could have a better life with your family, right? And that's what a lot—and <laughs> that's what a lot of people do. You yeah. know, like, like one day in 10 years when this business is successful, then I'll be able to spend time with my family. And, you know, they'll resent it. So I, I got that really early on. Mm. I understood that. And so that became um, the uh, sort of the overriding principle was I'm not going to sacrifice the quality time of my kids mm. um, to build this business. And I think I can do both. And I, and I could. Um, then the other, the other part of that was, again, just uh, letting go of this idea that nobody, nobody can do the idea that I have as well as I can do it. And therefore, I have to be the, you know, the, the main driver of everything. Uh, once I realized that that there were really smart people out there. Um, by the way, that I think the most important job that an entrepreneur can do is hire appropriately. Yeah. yeah. Like spend as much time and dig as deeply as you can into hiring key people, mm. and and it'll make your life hugely easy. Yeah. What, uh, if you can, what would be two or three lessons that you've
0: learned with Primal Kitchen specifically? That have enabled that to be, if you will, and I, I know you were successful in many, many areas of your life, but allowed that to be such a profound success.
1: So, so in such a condensed time window, if you will. Well, one of the things was that I, uh, I, I got out of my own way in terms of the product. I mean, I had been, I started March Daily Apple, um, eight years earlier to sell vitamins, to sell my supplements okay. that I, that was the business that I'd had prior to starting March Daily Apple. And, uh, uh. I kept thinking, okay, I'm I'm just I'm not seeing the opportunity to sell supplements. But as I was writing more and more about health and diet and eating right and real food, I realized I'm writing more about food and then here I am selling you know high potency multivitamins on the side. That they don't really go hand in hand. And yes, i have got a decent business, but really if I'm writing about food, I should be making food. I should mm-hmm. be making the source of products. That I complain about all the time. I used to write all the time about big food and how they're screwing it up and all the additives and all the, how come no one's built, you know, making a great salad dressing or a great mayonnaise. And that was, so that was uh, my own getting out of my way in 2014. Excuse me, I'm like, dang, I mean, I missed, I, like, I've, I missed it. Now, timing is huge in a business and I might have been too early if I'd done it three or four years earlier, mm-hmm. right? So I think the timing is perfect on this. And um, but that I, I I learned another lesson about you know being yes you can per, you can persevere in a particular business but don't be blinded by thinking that that your perseverance is solving the problem sometimes you just are blinding yourself to opportunities that are just over the other side of the fence to so that to that point sort of other side of the fence if you will it's
0: interesting to me and I what. Was there a moment, and this may or may not be the case, uh, but I'm just going to ask, because you just had an extremely successful exit. Um, but after not, a, I mean, it, it didn't occur to me a hugely long uh, runway in terms yeah. of that exit. That's, so, less than four years. Some entrepreneurs uh, would say, oh no, I'm not going to sell, and I'm going to keep, like, I have no idea, but I'm, you know, I'm not a huge Snapchat person, right? Mm -hmm. But I imagine Snapchat, if it had sold two years ago, would have probably been more valuable than it is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, that's just based on Instagram. I haven't done any research. But, Mm -hmm. um, Whereas, you know, Instagram, if that, you know, of course they were built through Facebook, but like if they had, you know, if they had the kind of users they did, they would sell for more money, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so what, what was, was there, what, it, what, what I'm getting to here is there seems to be more factors in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it, sound, it sounded like it was a very good deal still, but was it, what, 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 did, what was it that said, okay, this is the right opportunity where I'm, I'm, I'm going to sell, but I'm going to stay involved. But like, yeah, what, what, what was that?
1: Um, part of it was I'd always intended to sell the company, so yes. I wasn't. You built wasn't, it to sell. I, I built it to sell. Um, I didn't. You know, I, I was quite clear with my kids. I offered them the opportunity early on. Do you want me to build this for you and become the legacy? Nope. We're gonna do our own thing. Yeah, that's great. Um, I was approaching 65. Um, not that that has anything to do with anything other than um, I the the downsides of the business. Uh, you know, the, uh, HR stuff, the operation stuff, the personal guarantee on $15 million worth of loans. I mean, some of that stuff starts to weigh heavily. And as you, in food, you know, the more you go down that road, the more expensive it is that you, you know, you, you just, uh, your margins start to erode because now you're in Costco entire. You're in all these stores where they're, you don't have the same margins that you have in the early days, you get slotting fees. You got all these other things that, that factor in. Now you've got inventory that in the old days was twenty thousand dollars. Now it's you know eight million dollars worth of inventory, in. and um, it all adds up to, um, like, the timing of it was such that I could have gone another two years, exited for more money, but you didn't know. I didn't know the political environment. You mm. know the whole you know Trump thing, and I. Um, you know, we a lot of our stuff is overseas, and know what the tariffs are going to be like. And so I just said, you know what, uh, uh, we're at a great point. I found a great partner in Kraft Heinz. They were like, those guys are are amazing, and they've had their issues in the in the you know uh, in their other brands recently. They've had some write downs and some things. But as a as a company, um, I really uh, value the relationship. They've they've given us way more support than I ever anticipated, and they've left us. And then and they've left us alone to be to be autonomous. Mm-hmm. So it's been an amazing relationship. Uh, so I'm I'm I stay on for another two years. I'm a you know consultant. I'm the face of the brand. I'm doing R and D. I'm trying out new products. It's all fabulous. Yeah. So it all worked out great. Yeah, I could have stayed, but um, you know the, the timing at some point you have to say like with Snapchat uh, or with some of these other companies it's stay a little bit too long. Yeah. And and maybe the I don't think the uh, the, the marketplace is going to change. I think there's always going to be a market for our ingredients, or our foods. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to, um, and I want this to be a billion-dollar company. Yeah. So I want us to do a billion dollars in sales. And it, there was a point at which, how much is enough for me? Yeah. And, there, and I'd rather see it grow to be the largest preeminent, good-for-you food company in the world and I wasn't gonna. I, there was, I wasn't gonna be able to do that on my own. There was, I was gonna have to find a partner at some point. This just the timing of this was just right. Love it. Uh, last couple of questions.
0: My hope is that actually that has in in playing with giants, if you will, um, that that the, your your focus on quality ingredients will be a uh, marker for the industry, and that and that hopefully a lot more of these very large high distribution companies. Uh, you know start to apply some of these quality ingredients to they have no products. choice yeah they have no choice it'll happen yeah god i hope so um uh, okay last couple of questions so what as you tr- you it occurs to me you've been really good at pivoting and uh subtle reinvention mm-hmm. what uh, say two three years from now I and mean, you may still be involved
1: uh with kitchen, but what do you what's next for marxism so i've got a a Very exciting project I'm working on right now that I can't talk about. Okay. Because it hasn't happened yet. But and when it happens, man, will you hear about it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be blasting it all over the place. But, uh, yeah, so I'm very excited about, about the next thing. I'm not going to, you know, fade into the background and play no. golf and, you know, do all those things. I'm, I, I, have to be, I have to be involved in something. And it has to be in a, in a, um, in a field that has uh, world-changing capability. I love it. You know, so um, I I was able to do that. I'll give you an example. I mean, I, I wanted to change the way the world eats, and yes. that's, that was the blog, the books, certainly the food company. Um, I'm a uh, I'm a investor in a company called Chili Pad. Yeah. Uh, they make uh, a product that that cools your sleeping surface down, and it's life changing. It's transformative. I want to help them change the way the world sleeps. Yes. And so I'm taking all of these behaviors that I talk about in the Primal Blueprint, and I'm finding businesses that. Are aligned with changing the habits of people for the better. Fantastic. Well, I want to actually just take a moment
0: to honor you for that because I feel like um, you have demonstrated a consistency. I mean, you've been writing your blog for what eleven years now, something like 13. that. Thirteen. Thirteen years. Two thousand six. Thirteen years, every day. Um, you've been um, you've been a, a voice in a space that obviously now is sort of, at least from my point of view, seems to be emerging. Even water, but but you were er, you were early and often, yeah, shall we say, yeah, yeah. and consistent, and, and and still show up consistently. Um, but what also strikes me is I love the fact that you lead with family as like your core, is, is, is the core of who you are. Like the, the fact that like my dad showed up to my games is, and had my back in that way is yeah. a part of why he's left. Uh, Such an indelible impression on me, as I mentioned earlier, with his dementia and me wanting to be there for him. But I just know my mom and dad being there for me. uh, It's such a testament to to you that you've been, you both, you've created on a prolific level, but you've done so also with family, you know, in the front view. Yeah. So I want
1: to honor you for that. Um, Where can people find you? What's the best way? Well, marchdailyapple.com is the blog. Um, Still. uh, I think a fairly interesting article every day um, uh, the book The Keto Reset Diet is my most recent book I have one coming out in uh, the fall called Keto Longevity yeah. um, let's see uh, Mark Sisson Primal is my Instagram handle and um, I put some some of the more personal stuff up there yeah um, I found Primal, it's great PrimalKitchen.com. Uh, find out about you know all the food and, and the great uh, sauces, dressings and toppings that we make Yeah. I, have got, like I said, I've got probably almost had
0: your whole portfolio in in my kitchen. It's definitely serving me well. Um, last question. What, what do you hope like, so business success, professional achievement, um, you know, I don't want to make it extraordinarily personal, but you know, how do you hope to be remembered? Like in the minds of your kids, yeah. in the minds of those who know you best. What 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 do you hope that the mark, Sisson legacy is? In, and I don't mean in a grandiose egoic way, but like, what 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 what's most what's what do you hold closest as your as your value? Well, I mean, I just to,
1: I just want to be remembered as a great dad and husband. I mean, that's the that's the main thing. Yeah, uh, I on a, on a grandiose scale, I'd like to, I I would like to feel like I had a contribution in shifting the mindset around health and fitness at a time when we were headed down a slippery slope. Yes. Um, you know, and, and there are a number, there are some of us, you know, Chris Presser and Rob Wolf and myself that, you know, really seminal in this, in this paleo world, but in a larger scheme, the ancestral health movement and understanding how the body works and, and, and being able to give uh, power back to the individual over their health and not, not relinquish it to the medical machine to that man thank yeah. you so much I really
0: appreciate it mark my pleasure thanks man all right that felt good good yeah thank you sure thanks for taking the time hope you did not mind going to the
1: entrepreneurial stuff but I was like you know I that's love... probably that's probably my new uh yeah, that's the most interesting discussion for most people now because I've been talking about the other stuff for so long
0: yeah I was just like you know what like've I've, li- I've listened to a lot of your t- obviously I've done pretty deep dive in your work and it's been a huge amount to me but I was like you know really love to like get into because I haven't, I, I'm sure people, certain people have I just yeah. hadn't seen it, yeah. asked you about the entrepreneurial side, yeah. but I'm like I'm fascinated by it, I mean because like not that many people have done or can do what you have done Yeah, and I think it, it, it's it, to me there's obviously how you do anything is how you do everything, so there's there's probably a, a clear corollary between your 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 mindset around health and nutrition and business, so I'm like okay I'd love to get no, but
1: No, and you asked that question which is you pose it in a way that no one's ever asked it before, but it's really interesting. Is there that common theme really does come down to eighty twenty? Like, yeah. like I just do the twenty percent of the stuff that gets me eighty percent of the results, and and whether that was training or whether that was in school, you know, studying, or whether it was, um, you know, um, uh, not uh, spending time with other kids, um, you know, all the all of those different areas and, and leveraging. Uh, the talents, and not because I, th- I find a lot of people, you know, who work 70 hours or 80 hours a week or 90 hours a week, don't. They just spend time there dicking around. And I'm like, and that, that's uh, for me one of the one of the things that I realized early on when we have we have a virtual company. So I've got a uh, place up in Oxnard. We have like 20 warehouse people, and then maybe t- 12 support staff and customer service and accounting up there. But the other 50 employees of the country, in the company are just working out of their houses in the, in the country. Really? Yeah, they're virtual employees. And so people make $175,000 a year, $150, $120. and 150, um, $120,000. And, you know, and they're on their own. And, and I don't—they could be just sitting around in their underwear watching porn, and I, I wouldn't know. But I'm, o- I'm okay. As long as they get their work done, I'm fine with it. So it's—that it's was another thing that I had to give up was this attachment. Like, come to the office and give me eight hours, you know kind of thing that actually was for me was liberating that you shared yeah. that because that's I still have that old
0: paradigm mentality of like I think that's that's an area where I can break through where it's like I don't know if it's a control thing but yeah. like yeah like office show up
1: you know New well that's York. part of what can I get away with when I talk yeah. about work people you know, yeah. what's the least amount of work I can get away with so we still have reviews every six months and if you don't do your work you're gone you're gone, you're gone yeah um but i also know that for myself if i if i'm working eight hours i'm getting two hours worth of work done yeah no matter where i am so as long as you give me good a good two hours of productivity in a day and especially if you're creative and because you're thinking about that shit in your sleep anyway <laughs> yeah exactly and i'm then i'm fine paying you for eight you know yeah
0: well i can <laughs> say i spoke I, I you know we said a lot that you were besieged by a few folks that um was paleo effects Talk to I can't recall her name. The woman I think who runs your marketing. She's on. The, she's here in L.A. Because uh, I told her I do a bunch of events, and she was like, "Oh, amazing! Like, uh, let's do something this and that." But she she waxed prophetic about working for you mm. and working with you and the company. And she just said it was. Yeah,
1: she so was it? Was she uh, Brittany? Was she? Um... Uh,
0: she was. I, I uh, forgive me because I don't know. Okay. She was. She was a younger, uh, attractive lady. I believe she lives in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I think she was your. She's on the marketing team, mm-hmm. okay. um, and she was at the booth. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was—it wasn't Expo West. I think it was Paleo FX. Okay. And we—you know—you had that lovely booth, and we just—you were busy, so I just wanted to yeah, chat yeah, with yeah, her. And yeah. she was—she was great. She, and it's always good when you talk to someone who's on the team yeah. and is like, "Oh, I love work," you know, yeah. I, you know. Yes. And I think that's a testament to your the freedom you give. I actually it was Marie. I don't know if you know Marie Forleo, but Marie is here sometime, which mm-hmm. she's not in New York. She's a dear friend. And when I saw her, we went to this Oprah event. I I did an event with, like, Deepak Chopra, and Eckhart Tolle invited her, and she invited me to this Oprah event. And I saw her person flew in, and she's like, my team is, like, four or five people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like... But what I've what I know she's been able to do and you mm-hmm. know she's got a house here she's got a house in New York Hamptons they got a place upstate they're traveling she's in Italy right now yeah. I was like that's the lifestyle I want I'd rather have that and be able to go to my kids games mm-hmm. yeah. than have to build the next tech company where I'm besieged by stress and like yeah. you know cortisol all the time and like you know 100 people and I've got you know X number of investors of, and I'm millions of their dollars I just felt like when I really did a gut check I still want to build epic you know and I want to have an impact in the world on a big scale but I don't need to have the same like hundred employees you know all that stress kind so of what thing. does it look like for me at the moment it's looking like uh, so I just started writing a book I just moved over to New York and got uh, shot between two locations if you have any opinions on that given how many books you've written I uh, would be totally open to it uh, Peak Mind I'm going to keep doing the podcast, which mm-hmm. at the moment, through sponsorship, is doing doing well, um, and, and keep growing how it. How many like how many downloads you have? It's two. It's, I actually don't even know yet. Okay. Cause it's not even four. Okay, it's not okay. even four months old. Yeah. Though, but I've got, got my list. Uh, we'll get. So I've got about forty thousand person list, which is modest. We mm-hmm. just started, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, so what I do is generally partnerships. So Global Citizen, we grew from nothing until mm-hmm. we have over ten million people on the list mm-hmm. in three years. Mm-hmm. So my vision is what I want to do next year. I haven't really shared this, but the vision I'm playing with right now is actually doing a large scale campaign around Earth Day. So uh, I want to do the largest meditation in the world mm-hmm. um, online. And have people opt in, and then like, will look to get philanthropists that will plant trees for every person that meditates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the vision with that is just more it's, that's actually just more to my passion because I think right. we can do all these things around our health but frankly if you yeah. go outside and you can't fucking breathe because you know yeah. Uh, yeah. then we're all we're all screwed so but I don't want it to be political I don't want you know everyone yeah. get behind planting trees everyone get behind you yeah. know taking some time out to meditate but the vision with that is I think that'll be a, frankly a large scale list building exercise as yeah. well uh,
1: because I can get a lot of the high end influencers to support right so you know you know Gunnar Lovely. yeah Okay. Right. so you know he's doing his good money thing and I think that's that's an interesting concept, but also um, just, just what came to mind, and then Elliot, who Biznow, um, uh, you know, yeah, like, summit, yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of up there alley as well. Yeah. So what I didn't tell you is I'm trying to buy Vibram, the, the uh, oh, five finger, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I probably won't wind up buying the the company is a huge company. I won't buy the company, but I'm trying to get the rights to the to the five finger shoes. Heck, heck yeah. And uh, I think it could be. Really good. I'm, I'm wearing these. I wore these last night. They're leather. Do, do you? I haven't gotten
0: any yet. Do you recommend? I mean, obviously you do. You're buying the company. I mean, do you? you wear them all the day, every day? Like I've worn them. I've worn them. It's, it's,
1: I've worn them exclusively for 12 years. Wow. Just in the last year, I started wearing uh, sneakers because I broke my foot playing frisbee and I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't walk. I couldn't bend my metatarsal. So these are so pliable that I had to be careful about wearing these walking around Miami. On the pavement, uh-huh. so I started wearing sneakers for that, but I've pretty much worn these exclusively for 12 years and I'm I'm 100% behind the concept of these are absolutely, number one, they're comfortable. Yes. It's almost like um, the Primal Kitchen products, number one they have to taste tastes good. Tastes good, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> otherwise you're And then number good. two, the ingredients have to pass muster, but you can't start with the ingredients. Right. A lot of companies have done that and the product tastes like shit and then they fail. Right. So number one, they have to be comfortable number two that have to be good for you and, and I think what I'm trying to do like I, I don't think I will have a problem having, getting men to wear um, black leather ones I've worn three piece suits with this gone on stage gone to weddings and funerals you couldn't tell I had these kind of shoes on yeah no, I didn't. I didn't even notice yeah um, but what I'm looking at is getting women who are wearing Lulu's walking around town shopping or whatever to be wearing these instead of heels or instead of you know pumps um, and, and giving their feet a rest Mm. so they, so I want them to feel very comfortable wearing them uh, I want them to be comfortable I want them to feel comfortable in terms of the fashion statement because right now these guys have done a horrible job of uh, design and fashion they're neon colors they're rubberized you know you see some 240 pound guy at the gym with freaking neon ballet slippers on <laughs> think, by the way Kyle Kingsbury wears them yeah I know I've seen him wear and, them a bunch and of I'm times like, he's like my number one go to I'm going to go to him as soon as I do this deal if I can do this deal I didn't want to talk about because I haven't done it yet yeah I of course term sheet into them right now but, um, but I want to change the way the world walks yeah I love it that's, that's my next thing so, that is
0: awesome yeah yeah the walking thing I'm so glad that you mentioned that because like that's that's actually that, that was one of the hardest things with my dad is he's in his decline was like we could still go on walks like even yeah. at the end like we would go to, we'd go to the park and back but like when it got to the point where you have to like sit to, like, he can't do it anymore yeah. but um, but walking in that even in that was something that they could still do yeah. and you know and that's the thing I, with my mom too I try to get her you know I try to get her to at least walk um, but Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why it's so basic and so simple, but people just resist it. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, they're so, um, well, now we've got, you know, a couple of generations of of non-walkers. Yeah. Cars and, you know, reluctant to go outside in the cold or in the urban environment or whatever. Um, So,
0: so your dad is still alive. He's still alive. He's, uh. Pretty far along at this point. Uh, the good news is, you know, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's can—he doesn't have Alzheimer's. He has uh, frontal low Lewy body. But, you know, a, a lot of times it brings out nasty sides of people. Yeah. My dad. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm biased. But he's the one of the kindest men you've ever met in your life. I mean, yeah. Just like a yeah. man of integrity, salt to the earth. Yeah. Just like all, and he still is. What's crazy is he's lost his cognitive Like I can't have a conversation, mm-hmm. but he still recognizes me. Still smiles when he sees me but you, with kids animals like mm-hmm. you know the last things that would go he'd, he'd still be like great work yeah. you, know? you yeah. know he'd say to a dad like, I remember we watched Star Wars and he'd get up and he, you know he, he doesn't really he, can't, he doesn't he doesn't have the faculties now to speak full sentences mm-hmm. but like he saw this he'd see uh, You talked about family this guy this, his father with his son at the movie and he's basically like great work you know and yeah, so like true. it's funny like these small little things to yeah. me would mean the world but yeah, yeah he's, he's 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 pretty uh you know he's pretty far along. Luckily, he's still at home. My parents are still together; they've been married almost fifty years. Mm-hmm. So my mom's still there for him, which says a lot about her. But um, it must be really tough for her, though. Oh, it's super tough. Jesus. Yeah, he's a veteran, so we get we get uh we have we have someone coming in now in the mornings, and then he's he has a day like a day the place that he goes to, and then right. oh, someone that comes at night. But man, it's uh that's what got me into this whole health journey because I was like witnessing that like you said i mean it's it's one of the most devastating things you can you can you can witness and unfortunately i mean it's i mean and and you talk about the economic social consequences on fam, all those things and it's like i'm and and, you know and i'm not a doctor but as i've done the research you know it's like they're calling it type 3 diabetes you know it's like further extension of all these different inflammatory conditions and it's like man this is we are entering into a break mean the research I did showed half the Chinese population is pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. That's half the freaking Chinese population. Yeah. Half the U.S. population is pre-diabetic. Yeah, in <laughs> India. India, 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 Mexico. India. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So ten years. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, when you when I think about like, because my background obviously was on more of the social impact side. Think about like, you know, the impacts of climate moving where it's moving, then health and wellness, and like all these different things, and 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 the stressors, and I'm just like. You know someone, and I'm glad like that you are. And that's my my vision is to put out more of those, more of the information, because I yeah. feel like uh, it. You know, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a pragmatist. So yeah. it's like you know, it's uh, it's, and I've seen the
1: consequences firsthand. so. Yeah, I was just a, my mother uh, is 89. She just got diagnosed about a month ago with stage four uh, lung cancer. She probably has weeks. Uh, and uh, it, and I went to visit her. She's in a um, assist living home with her boyfriend of ten years, mm. um, and uh, God, that's just so depressing. And that all the old people—they're walkers and they're oxygen and they're just barely getting by and sitting alone, eating dessert for for, for lunch because it's the little pleasure they get in the yeah. daytime, even though it's it's accelerating their decline. Um, this whole uh, end of life um, care issue. Is is much bigger than most people could even conceive of. Um, certainly, people like you. I mean, you know, there are people who have, who have a little bit of a, a contact with it. But um, even I haven't seen much until I go to this place where I, I read about it, I talk about it, I, I'm aware of it, I can imagine it. But I, no, I can't imagine it because it, when you get right down to it, so many people are spending, you know, a quarter million, half million, million dollars. Toward the in the last six weeks or six months that's where of their most mom. medical costs go and that's where it goes and it's such a it's such a waste of resources and you know my mother uh, when I was there she has she has back pain uh, and she's lying around and she's literally like like if we, can we figure out a way that I can commit suicide because I I'm gonna die in the next couple of weeks um, I'm taking to key truda. I don't know why it's gonna extend my life Couple more weeks for which I can be in back pain, uh, and and I get it. I mean, I'm like I'm trying to talk her out of it, but I'm but I but I'm like I, I totally get it because that that would be me, except I'd be much more creative than I'd be mm-hmm. um, at that point. But uh, yeah, it's just bizarre that people. Uh, you know, she has a a living will, you know, DNR and all the stuff that mm-hmm. they have, but but the number of people who fight on and cling to the last breath even though it's not you know yeah not necessarily a good one. and like in your mother's case you know she, she might she probably recognizes that you know he's maybe he wants something other than what he has right now but he can't make that decision himself and she's she's got to ride it out oh yeah to ride it out right well her point. identity
0: is now so embedded in that yeah, first yeah. of all I'm sorry to hear about your mom yeah. and second of all I can relate it's yeah. like it's 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 been a reckoning in my whole life I mean yeah. it's totally reoriented my life uh, and I think you know obviously you I I can and there's reason to you know sort of mourn in that process. I mean, it's yeah. it's a weird thing because it's not like someone dies and yeah. you mourn for a period, and then it's done. But you've it's lost kind of like them, been, you've lost them. Yeah, y- yeah, you you have, and it's like this lo- ongoing mourning yeah. process. Yeah. And then there's this like st- this strange aspect to where I mean, this is a bigger philosophical piece, but just like one of the things is just like the reckoning, and I definitely have not figured it out. But like, what is it that we have such an unhealthy relationship with death? And like, why is it? I think, and then as an impetus for living, yeah. why is it that we spend all this money and attention when it's kind of, for lack of a better term, too late to prolong yeah. a shit a, 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 a time of life that's lacking quality. Yes, but worse. yet while put any, put so little attention into the preventive all the stuff you talk about, yeah. right? All the preventative things that would give you that quality of life, you know, for much longer period of time. Yeah
1: yeah it's it's a uh, every like almost every day I get up and I literally go you know if if I die today I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that yeah. you know I got no, no regrets everything was great and I talk I go to these like, bulletproof things and I want to live forever <laughs> like, what the fuck do you want to
0: live forever for? <laughs> I yeah. almost wanted to bring that up because you, know, you know obviously Dave talks about one, I think 180 or 180, whatever yeah. yeah and I was like I don't know I would not want unless something drastically
1: changes in how the human this, yeah. this meat suit works
0: yeah yeah. I am not want to be
1: 180 no <laughs> and, and, and then people say they want to you know they want to live like if like if you had a chance to be immortal and live forever would you want I'm not sure I would. I mean, <laughs> no. a point of, I have a tough. Some days I have a tough enough time getting out of bed. Going, you know, what I'm going to do today. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, a thousand years into the future, and yeah. people say, "Well, I want to learn more," and I want to. Not buying that. I think that what gives life meaning is the mortality part of it. I agree. You know, and uh, the you know that's where you get down to like every day could be your last, and mm-hmm. so treat it as if it is, and it'll be a great day. That's it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's been in, I just did a, a gathering. I went out with a bunch of, uh, it's more on my sort of personal side, but went out with a gathering of about 40 different indigenous leaders. I was, that's where I got bit by the tick, yeah. up in, uh, uh, just outside of New York City. No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I got, well, actually, what? Well, the good part of it is, because I try to choose to see the gold and everything good part of it is I'm gonna do this 20 I'm gonna do yeah. this 21 day thing I, I, I've been wanting I mean on a personal note I'm pretty I'm pretty healthy but I have had a, since I went off the hit training I've had like you yeah. know i mean not like fat but I have a little pooch yeah. and uh and I get the puffiness under my eyes and you know like the main thing I'm, I'm concerned about which is a whole other conversation is just the brain fog right yeah. where like yeah. obviously I'm very sensitive to given what's going on with my dad but like just names you know like I'll be like, I think I know that person, but it's to the point of like, and I don't talk about this publicly, but where I'm like, man, I mean, I'm sharp, still yeah. sharp as attack, but like there are people I've met that like I've had a relationship with, but I can't remember how or yeah. like, and I know yeah. a lot of people, but still I'm yeah. like that it's a bit of a concern, yeah. one. And then two, it's just like, okay, well, you know, thankfully I don't have two APOE four genes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like you said, you know, gene expression, it's like, I want to get hold of that epigenetics best I can Mm -hmm. so not Mm as not to uh, pull any triggers. Yeah. Be be proactive. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for your time, man. Sure. And there you have it. An incredible interview with my man, Mark Sisson. He is a wealth of information. I hope you got a tremendous amount of value out of the episode. If you did, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews help us uh, move up the algorithm and get this important information out to more people. Also, please go ahead and tag us at Mark Sisson and at Michael Trainer on Instagram. Uh, Give both of us a follow and let us know what you garnered, uh, what wisdom or insights you may have garnered from the episode. I I really try to share those out as well. And and engaging with this community means the world to me. Um, And with that, I hope you uh, are off to a great start to your year. It's my intention to bring you incredibly high quality guests and insights and to build this community and engage with this community, you can always reach out to me at Michael Trainer on Instagram with any thoughts or re- recommendations or suggestions on great guests. I so appreciate you. And if there's anyone you think would benefit from this episode, please go ahead and share it right now. Screen grab it. Uh, you can text them. You can email them. Uh, the whole intention with this show is to add as much value to this community as possible. So. I greatly appreciate all your ratings and reviews. I greatly appreciate your listening. I don't take your time for granted. I hope you're finding it valuable. And with that, please go out there and live your inspired life.